This episode is brought to you by Performance Lab, the creators of the Focus Planner, which is the first diary I've ever used that condenses gratitude, daily tasks, time blocking, and grounding prompts all into a two-page format that takes me literally no longer than five minutes a day to fill out. Visit performancelab.com.au to check it out and use the code BALANCE at checkout for 30% off your planner. Perfect for anybody who wants to have their best day every day. Now let's dive into today's episode. I worked for large corporations for a number of years thinking that what I wanted was, you know, a, a corner office. And the closer that I got to the, you know, sort of the top levels of the organization, the more that I started to understand that this really isn't what I want. I mean, I, I would see the amount of work that these people would have to put in and how much they would struggle with their personal lives and um, not be close to their family members and things like that. And I, and I, that's not what I, that's not what I was aiming for. Yes. I wanted uh, a big career. I wanted to have an impact um, overall on the people that I was working with, but at the end of the day, I didn't want to sacrifice my personal relationships to be able to do that. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. Alrighty, Balancers, today we are joined by an author, coach, and consultant who has found balance and focus in both his professional and personal life. He has also recently written a book titled Overcommitted, How to Transform Your Habits and Achieve the Life You Desire. So I'm so excited to get stuck into all things about productivity and how we can maximize our time. Our guest today is Don Davis. Don, a warm welcome to the Balance Theory Podcast. Thanks so much, Eric. I greatly appreciate being here. No, likewise. I know it's early. Where are you? Uh, why don't you let the listeners know where are you streaming from this morning? Right. So I'm I'm uh, based out of Colorado. So it's uh, right now five thirty a.m. But uh, <laughs> that's okay. I, I I'm an early riser, so no problem. That's good, and I'm sure you'll have a, a few things to share about uh, maybe early in the morning. Some tips and tricks on how we can get the most out of our time. So I'm really excited to get stuck into that. I know I've given a little preview as to what the book's about, but can you just share with the listeners exactly what it is you do and just a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I, um, let's see. So I'm a consultant in life sciences. So life sciences primarily focuses in on uh, both healthcare, uh, medical device, and then, um, you know, anybody that's working on, on drugs oftentimes would involve me as well. So that's kind of my professional life. Um, but in addition to that, I'm the father of uh, three children. Uh, they're all adult children at this point. Um, and in addition to that, uh, yeah, I've been married for 34 years. So, um, wow. yeah. Big achievement. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so how did you kind of move into becoming an author from the work you're doing now? What kind of prompted you or got you really curious in the first place about better maximizing our time? Was it directly correlated to the work you're doing? Was it more of a personal passion? Yeah. So I, I mean, by day, whenever I consult with companies, primarily I'm, I'm consulting with them around focus, where are they focused overall in terms of the things that they're working on and, and the, the really critical nature of a lot of the work that we do, you know, kind of, you know, prompts us to, to kind of enhance that 
and performance overall. And so what uh, what I did what I did with the book was I was work actually working on a different book focused on operational excellence. And so uh, I was working with uh, a publishing team. Uh, to try and get that book out. And uh, to be frank about it, uh, I got to a point where I didn't feel like we were being very productive. And so I just said, why don't we stop? Why don't we just stop here? Um, I have another book in mind based on a lot of my consulting clients and coaching clients that I'd like to go work on by myself. And so I went and did that one. Uh, it took me a little over four months to complete it from start to you know finished product. And it was the just this um, need to kind of focus in on people and where are we at with regards to overcommitment. And so mm. I, I focus in on the book on kind of two levels of the definition of overcommitment. One being you could be overcommitted in the things that are in your life that are um, maybe not things that you want to be focusing on. So an example would be. Maybe you're focusing too much on your career versus your personal life. And so that would be overcommitting, you know, in your in your professional life versus your personal life. The other one is that most people's mind goes to goes to, which is the overlapping of schedules. And so you could have, you know, an overlap in your schedule that then leads you to this this point of being overcommitted. And so I kind of deal with with both of those inside of the book. That's really, really interesting. And um, just for your reference, I suppose, as well, within the context of our mission, uh, when we speak about life balance, it, it's really to empower people to own their time. Of course, using it efficiently is a byproduct of that. Um, but it's really within the realm of, okay, what are your priorities and how do you want to be using your time? And I would definitely agree that I think a lot of the um, the issues or a pitfall we often fall into is this overcommitment. You know, you're spending too much time on work, as you said, versus personal life, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious on this subject, what are your what are your thoughts on, I guess, the biggest mistakes people make when it does come to time management? If overcommitment is one of them, do you have any other that go hand in hand or is that really like the Trojan horse of issues that you see when it comes to being effective? Yeah. So, I mean, I, to me, it's not only um, what I saw, but I mean, if you if you think back to the start of the pandemic, uh, whenever most of us, you know, worked in an office and oftentimes we'll walk through the hallways and have little, let's just call them micro breaks. Uh, micro, Microsoft actually tracks in Teams, um, you know, who's using their software and when. And uh, one of the things that they saw was that there's actually now a third peak in in your time zone. There's a third peak to everybody's day. The, t- the normal way that it flowed before the pandemic was 8 a.m. There was a peak just after lunch. There was another work peak. And then that now there's a new one that happens at around 11 p.m. your time. And so um, Microsoft even was acknowledging this level of kind of time over commitment just based on what they were seeing in the software, um, you know, overall. And, and so I, I just noticed that there's, there's a level of overcommitment to the point of people maybe not committing to the things that they want to do in their life. And, you know, I know we have the, the new term as well, quiet quitting. So a long answer for your, uh, for your question, but the, um, so the new term quiet quitting references this idea that maybe after you work for your company during the day, you're doing something else that 
actually you might love even more and honestly could be leading to a different job. And so that's this kind of a the professional term. I, however, have a different view on that, that, you know, if you use those hours for things that you love, then you actually, you know, could wind up in a position where you're more productive for the company that you work for. You know, maybe, maybe by quiet quitting, you know, it actually could be an advantage for companies versus a disadvantage. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm loving this conversation because it's almost in the realm of like allowing, giving people the freedom to explore their personal passions and interests. And what you just said there, I'm having a little laugh to myself. I've never known it as quite quitting, but all through my career, I've been a lawyer for a couple of years. I've always kind of had things like this podcast on the side where once I finish my day, rather than you know, twiddle my thumbs and try and stretch out work that's not the most productive, I'll spend that time doing something else. And I think a lot of people may feel guilty being in that position, but I would have to definitely agree with you that having that outlet for me personally, you know, whether it does lead to another career or not in the short term makes me more productive because I'm able to use creativity, use skills that I don't get to use at work. And I think therefore you avoid burning out or being bored with your job. But on that note, because I think there may be a lot of people listening, they don't have that other thing that they're working towards on the side, that distraction, that thing that's separate to their job. How do people actually know, like, what's the line where you are over committing and kind of stretching your time as opposed to just putting in more work? Do you kind of have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So the way I've overall defined it is that if you look at your complete life, the better way to kind of look at your complete life is in that entire 360 degree view. So let's maybe start there. Um, the inside of each one of our lives, we probably have categories of our lives. And in the book, I have each reader define their categories for their life because I the categories for my life might be different than yours, right? And so mine are my professional life, my personal life, my finances and fitness. And fitness for me goes all the way to the bottom. So it's, I mean, to me, yes, it's important to me, but it's also, you know, not one of my top, top things. I just don't want to risk kind of my life for, you know, being unfit. Let's just put it that way. So I, you know, I try and eat eat my healthy, but I enjoy life. Uh, I try and exercise, but I also, you know, don't, you know, really beat myself up too much if I don't make it to the gym as well. And so I kind of describe these things that you have to go through and define your own sort of categories inside of your life. And then around those categories, develop goals that lead you to the things that you want. I frankly rank my my personal life as number one. And so I, you know, family and um, my my personal relationships are much more important than professional ones. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of times you see people act that are totally counter to that. And to me, that is an area of overcommitment. You're overcommitting, let's say, too much on your professional side and not enough on your personal side. So you just have to sort of, you know, try and keep yourself in check. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. And this exercise of analyzing your priorities is something all our listeners would be very familiar with. It's very refreshing hearing you say this because it's something I speak a lot about. Slightly different, but in in a similar vein, in the sense of, you know, you have the key areas of your life and you need to decide what them being at, you know, ideal levels looks like for you. Now, let's say like you've obviously expressed 
the you know fitness versus work versus your professional life say for somebody if their health was at 100% effort in their life that would look like three gym sessions a week and then you look at the reality of that and how that maps out in your time you're going once a fortnight then you know that's when you know your priorities out of whack so that kind of exercise of analyzing well what's ideal for me versus what am i doing right now is a really great way to not only look at whether you're unbalanced or imbalanced, but to really think about what areas you're overcommitting in. And when you can identify which ones you're overcommitting in, that's when you can pull back and reallocate that time elsewhere. So loving this conversation, uh, it, it marries so nicely with everything we speak about on the podcast. And I guess off the back of that, without giving away too much of what's in your book, because obviously we want everyone to go and read it as well, do you just sort of have any high-level tips then for how you actually practically manage your time on a week basis. So do you have like a, a regular practice that you do, daily daily things that you do to keep that time in check, anything that you can kind of give us as sneak peek tips? I, I mean, the, the, the first thing that I would say is that, yes, I, I do have routines that I follow uh, as well. Um, and, I, and I sort of go through some of those that I, I color code my calendar and it shows me where I'm actually, you know, sort of using the categories in my life or using time for the categories in my life in my calendar. So that way I can actually see, you know, visually that, yes, these things actually lead me towards the things that I want. Um, I leave things that are uncolored uh, as things that could lead me away from things that I want. And, and so that way I can kind of come back and balance things. Um, often though, too, I have to go back to my calendar and, you know, kind of just sort of think through how, uh, how overcommitted am I on a routine basis for different things? I mean, I run, I run a business. I'm also a CEO, COO for a business. Uh, and then I'm lastly just now starting a third business and I have a book. So I'm, I'm pretty busy. Uh, most of the time my wife kind of laughs and says, you know, you, you wrote the right book <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but An expert same- in time management, it seems. Yeah, exactly. I and and um, I have to be very careful. I mean, because I could I could work twelve to fourteen hour days uh, routinely, and so I I just have to you know sort of make sure that at the end of the day that I'm keeping all the things in balance. And so one of the yeah. things that I recommend to people is that in addition to setting up your categories, you set goals for those categories, and then where you find overcommitments, then I have something that's called an overcommitment dare. Um, which is an acronym, by the way. So uh, the DARE stands for delegate, automate, reschedule, or eliminate. So you, you, as you look at kind of where your um, overcommitments are happening, you kind of go back and try and, and find ways to um, delegate, automate, reschedule, or eliminate those those uh, elements in your life. Yeah, I love that. Very practical advice. It's some um, because it can feel very overwhelming sometimes when we have a jam packed schedule and then we have a list of things we want to make time for. But it's kind of like how do we practically make this work? So love that. Really good step. So having a look at where you're overcommitting and then repurposing that time using any of the Dare acronym actions. Um, to, you know, kind of filter through your behaviors. And um, I think it's also like, I take your point to what you were saying, you could probably work 12 to 14 hours if you weren't conscious or, or really brought that intention to your day. I think it's an interesting point because for a lot of people, they are so passionate about what they do. And it's not like work and life are these 
50-50, it's not this 50-50 split and two things that are separate in their life. But I do think that if you have that intention and you have that routine of constantly looking at the categories of your life and goal setting in each of them, it's a really good way to combat that because ultimately you can do too much of anything. Like it's it's not as though just because you love it. It's like saying, you know, if you love cycling, I mean, if you do that all hours of the day, you're going to wreck your body. And so I think there's a fine line between when you're overdoing it. And I think this conversation is a great way for people to come back to balancing their relationship with all the different bits and pieces in their life. Um, I want to pivot now a little bit. I guess we're moving towards the end of the year and As we roll into a new year, the question is always, what habits are you going to adopt to match up with the goals that you're going to bring on board? But I'm kind of interested leading into the end of this year. How does someone know if they need to actually change existing habits that they do have? Um, That would be my first question. So how do they know that there's habits they need to change? And the second part to that is, how do they even go about getting started doing that? I think things like New Year's resolutions, um, you know, kind of shifting into the new year and, and reevaluating habits, having a milestone in the year to do that is a good uh, thing to have so that you can kind of recalibrate or at least ask yourself that question. Am I doing the right things that lead me to where I want to go? But do you I mean also think like a, throughout the year, having that pause and, and asking that question as opposed to waiting for new year? That's what I was going to say is that I think I think it's more important that on a routine basis that we're sort of using that reflex that that moment of reflection, maybe in the day, in the week or the month uh, to do the same thing. So having a moment on January 1st where you're saying, you know, hey, look, this is what I want to do for the year can be helpful. Because, you know, some people might not take that pause and they might not, uh, you know, actually go back and, and think about, you know, am I really working on the right things at this point in time or not? But I also think that there's there's an opportunity for you to do that more routinely. And I, I think that there's a valuable lesson here. And I took away the idea that, you know, hey, look, why don't I go meditate, you know, every so often and, and just make sure that I you know sort of reflect on the things that that I'm currently working on as well. And I think that taking that time, whether it's vacation time or it's taking you know, meditation time, those can be powerful times to kind of say, am I really working on the right things? And as you walk away from those times, after you've given your mind a break, uh, you know, oftentimes the clarity will come to you as well. Because you're listening to this podcast episode, I know you're someone who is always looking for ways to more effectively use their time. That's how I know you'll completely fall in love with the tool I've been using every single morning that is the reason behind my consistent discipline, motivation, and focus. The Focus Planner is the only planner I've ever come across that gives me prompts to prioritize important tasks for the day, grounds me to who I want to show up as in all my balance areas, combines a gratitude practice, and utilizes time blocking to map my day out. And yes, can you believe it? All of this just takes me five minutes, just five minutes to maximize an entire day. If you feel you have that something missing when it comes to making each day productive, trust me, you won't regret trying this out. I've got an exclusive 30% off code just for you. So hit the link in our show notes and use the code balance at checkout. Now let's get back to the episode. Absolutely. And um, I definitely, definitely am a big advocate for having those routine check-ins. Although I think because we are so close to the new year, it is kind of on people's mind as something to do coming up in January. So everybody listening, don't forget to set those regular check-ins, whether it's a monthly, weekly, daily practice, whatever it is. Um, But if we just come back to 
the habits specifically. So whether it is on January 1st or at any other check-in throughout the year, what would you say are some signs that we need to shake our habits? Is there, do you have any personal experiences or moments in time where you kind of had an epiphany of like, this is a good time for me to get rid of this habit or change it? Because I think sometimes when you get into that status quo, you're in that flow, you're doing the same thing over and over just because it's routine and habit. It's hard to take a step back and question it, especially if it's not particularly harmful or doing you wrong. But the question is never like, well, can it be better? That takes like a lot of effort and intention to ask that question. So I guess I'm just wondering, have you had any experience or do you have any tips on when the moment to change habits is or when we know that that change is upon us? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's personal for everybody, but at the same time, I, I'll give you my personal experience. So I, I worked for large corporations for a number of years thinking that what I wanted was, you know, a, a corner office. And the closer that I got to the, you know, sort of the top levels of the organization, the more that I started to understand that this really isn't what I want. I mean, I, I would see the amount of work that these people would have to put in and how, much they would struggle with their personal lives and um, not be close to their family members and things like that. And I, and that's not what I, that's not what I was aiming for. Yes. I wanted uh, a big career. I wanted to have an impact um, overall on the people that I was working with, but at the end of the day, I didn't want to sacrifice my personal relationships to be able to do that. And so, you know, for that reason, I had to come back and say, you know, hey, look, how do I how do I do something and frame it up in a way that I can actually, you know, help people, but also not not sacrifice at the same level that these individuals are. And that's more or less what led me to my consulting business, which is the primary reason why I have the life sciences consulting business now. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess um, my takeaway kind of listening to you is. Once you have that moment where you realign your goals or you set your goals, it's then a question of turning to, okay, what habits are going to facilitate me getting to where I want to be? And that's also a moment for you to be quite critical on the things that you are currently doing. And I also really resonate with the story you just shared um, coming from being a junior lawyer. I, I, you know, have had a couple chops and changes. I've had a break from from the industry. And for me, when people ask me, they say, oh, you know, you spent so long studying it. You spent so many years at uni getting the qualifications and then you did so much experience. Like, why are you deciding that this may not be something for you? And my simple answer is really similar to yours. Like, I thought I wanted the corner office and all the responsibility. But then when I looked at my seniors, I, you know what it was? The moment I knew was there's no one above me whose role I want. <laughs> and that comes down to the lifestyle they had, really. And that, for me, was a massive telltale sign. And then I think it's not so much a, a question of then you just snap into it and change your whole life. It's a slow process, but then you start thinking, okay, well, why is it that I don't want that life? And then you start to kind of reverse engineer your daily habits and practices. And if we go back to what you were saying before, you regularly check in with the different areas of your life. You're regularly revisiting the goals you set for yourself. I think that's so, so important because even year to year, month to month, you know, milestone to milestone in your life, those things that you've set or those intentions you've set for yourself can look very, very different. So regularly checking in is, is um, I think, has a massive impact on you being very aligned with what it is that you actually want. I know that a part and parcel of the work that you've been doing and, and a lot that's wrapped into your book is this whole idea of finding balance and, and everything you've shared today is really geared towards 
helping people create or find what that balance looks and feels like to them, which is exactly what the the purpose and mission of this whole podcast is. And on the note that it is unique to everybody, I want to throw the ball over to you and ask you, what does feeling balanced look like to you at this moment in your life? Yeah, so feeling balanced to me feels like that whenever I stop and pause, that I feel like both my personal relationships as well as my professional life are in are in check. The finances are are of course there and that my my fitness is at a level that that I feel like, you know, I'm taking enough time kind of throughout the week or throughout the month uh, to be able to to keep those things in balance. I I really sort of enjoy though those moments of silence and being alone, but I also enjoy, really enjoy you know moments of feeling like I'm having a definite impact in the world as well. So it's that careful push and pull between them. Yes, yeah, absolutely. At least for me, that's what that's what balance feels like. Um, I enjoy you know working extremely hard. I don't get me wrong. I mean, that's kind of what I was saying earlier with my wife's comment is that. Um, you know, this idea of, you know, spending a lot of time, a lot of intense energy to try and have an impact. I mean, finishing the book was was immense for me because I not only wanted to have a book, but I also wanted to have something to get people started. And so I created this thing called the seven day cleanse. Um, and so with the seven day overcommitment cleanse, that just added another level of writing, another level of testing, you know, try and make sure that everything was together for people. And my wife just said, you know, why, why is it, why do you do these things? And I'm like, well, if I, if I had a book, it wouldn't it be great if somebody could start me out, you know, on this path already, you know, to me, those intense moments, you know, are, are absolutely critically important as well in in my professional life and my personal life and having to take having to take out time and think through am i balanced in all these areas or not is important to me yeah beautiful and um i I will say on that note i think we're often led to believe that if you have these intense crazy moments that you're quote not balanced but to me I think that there's a time and place for moments like that in your life. And as long as you still bring that intention, you're still being conscious in the realm of your health and your relationships, then you can kind of go all in and, and full pace on your on your career or project or whatever it is you're working on. So long as you stay conscious, you know, check in with your goals and make sure your habits are all aligned for the big, big picture. Kind of on the flip then, if you were to be out of balance, I know you said you kind of like having those when you have those moments of pause and you feel like everything is at bay, if it's everything is where it's supposed to be. If you were to be out of balance, what would that feel like to you? And would it be a question of you just revisiting those categories or do you have anything else you sort of turn to to rejig things to balance? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Um, so I, a couple of things. Sometimes um, we're not always the best people to ask the question of am I in balance and and it's good I mean again I'm saying that I have I have a routine sort of dialogue with my wife about my life and my you know whether I'm overcommitted or not and so um you know I I look for people in my personal life especially to tell me you know whenever they see you know that hey you know it, this seems like it this leads to a path that you might not want to go go down um, but at the same time you know I'm continually you know doing that sort of 
recalibration myself as well. I mean, so we talked about, you know, getting up early, right? You know, oftentimes I do get up early and I enjoy sort of the silence in the morning um, and spend a little bit of time meditating and journaling. And then, you know, that starts my day. And so typically in those moments, what I'm trying to do is sort of think through one, what, what did I do yesterday? And was it more or less in check or not with my level of overcommitment? And then the second uh, sort of thing is the things that are coming up today, um, are those things sort of also in check with the, the things that I'm wanting to work on? And whenever I am out of balance, I will work intently to try and, and say, you know, how do I recalibrate this thing so that I can be more intentful? I mean, uh, you know, oftentimes people will get messages from me that say, you know, hey, I know you wanted to meet today. I can't really meet today. Um, can we, you know, move this meeting out? Um, and, and it'll fit better, you know, for me on this particular day at this particular time. So oftentimes, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I've spent a lot of time trying to automate, you know, quite a few things as well so that I'm not, you know, always having to, to do things. The great thing about the Macintosh exp computer that I love is that, um, uh, they have this program called Text Expander. Text Expander will remove having to retype the same email over and over again. Uh, you know, you just essentially do it once and then it, it, you can automate it, you know, from there. And so, you know, I will, you know, purposefully kind of go through things and say, well, you know what, I've sort of retyped the same e email, you know, two or three times now. I'm going to, I'm actually going to go back into Text Expander and you know, spend a little bit of time in the morning sort of, you know, removing that, uh, item so that I don't have to do it ever again. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the biggest takeaway other than that great app suggestion, which I have not heard about, is um, the fact that you're doing this on such a regular basis. So every day is an opportunity for you to assess the day before and look forward to the day ahead. And I think the beauty of doing that is you don't let yourself get so far that you are burnt out, completely disconnected from yourself and all these things that I feel, if you're saying, if anybody listening now feels so overwhelmed by the thought of even starting to clean up or arrange the areas of their life, I think something like this is the best way to circumvent even getting in that place in the first spot. But obviously, it's a process of getting used to. I think I think it's easy to say, you know, bring intention and have awareness in all these areas of your life, but it really is a process to to consciously do it on an ongoing basis. And I think even moment to moment, you know. Before you get on a podcast call, you set an intention for how you want to show up and how that aligns with who you want to be and where you want to go and how it fits into your overall big picture. And, and so I just think that that small suggestion of reflecting in the morning of the day yesterday, you could even do it like as you go. I, I sometimes I like to do it when I go to bed, I'll reflect on the day that I've just had. And then when I wake up, I think for the day ahead. But it, the, the suggestion here is just to do it on a regular basis in whatever way that feels organic to you. So you kind of don't let time slip away from you to a point where you're disconnected. And it's a lot of work to kind of hit the reverse button. So I, I'm really, I've loved everything you've shared today. I think I'm definitely going to have to get a copy of the book, give it a read, because um, it sounds like your whole philosophy and mission is so aligned with the work we're doing here. So I just want to thank you so, so much, firstly, for 
carving out time which in your uh, space in the morning, which I know is often reserved for your own reflection. So thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing a bit about yourself and your book. And uh, my second question is if anybody wants to connect with you a little bit further or even get a copy of the book, where's the best place they can do so? And I'm going to pop some links in the show notes below. Yeah, so the best the best place to uh, to find a copy of the book is uh, well, one, it's in bookstores. Two, it's on Amazon. It's it's everywhere that uh, books are sold. Um, secondly, if you want to connect with me, you can find me at drdavisphd.com. Perfect. Well, I'll pop links to all of that. I want to thank you so much again. And I look forward to seeing your work continue, your mission go on and future books that you're going to release as well. So thank you again. Thanks so much, Erica, for having me. I greatly appreciate it.